Hey, I'm Taylor Dorson, and this is the Professional Technical Interviewee. Technical interviews are hard, and every company does them differently. On this show, I interview engineering leaders to see what they look for in technical candidates, and then they perform a real technical interview with me. I hope you enjoy. Cool. Great. Uh, welcome back, Becca. Uh, we're going to move into the technical portion. I think it's going to be a little more conversational, but I'll let you take it from, from here. Yeah. Thanks, Taylor. Um, I will talk a little bit about my thought process. So I'll preface this by saying um, this is not a real world example from Formidable. When I interview people at Formidable, we're usually pretty focused on specific JavaScript questions or specific React pairing um, exercises. But something that I've encountered a lot in the real world as an interviewee is the system design interview. And like I said earlier, it's a challenge for me. And it's been on my mind a lot thinking to think through like, what are these questions looking for? Do they help? Who are they designed to filter out or to or, or to bring in? So I was wondering if we could work through a system design interview question. And um, on the video, we do have some whiteboarding, but I want it to be more of a conversation about how we might approach this. Would you and I approach it differently? Mm -hmm that kind of thing. So um, most system design interview questions are focused on a specific application. And I ran into one recently that was really, really interesting. And I wanna talk through how we might approach building it. So um, one of my very favorite delivery services is GoPuff. Are you familiar with GoPuff? Yes. Uh, yes. I can't remember if they were a client in the past or I just knew people who represented them, but. Very familiar, yeah. Okay, yeah. So um, for anybody who's listening who's not familiar, GoPuff is a delivery service. Um, by the way, I'm not advertising it at all. I just <laughs> happen to be thinking about it as a service. Um, but it's very localized where in different neighborhoods, they have like, they, they have where, like little mini warehouses. And I, as a user, can go on their app any time of day or night and say, hey, I want some ice cream and some Doritos. And then a delivery person will get that order, go to the little warehouse, pick up the ice cream and the Doritos and deliver it to you. Now, there's a lot of logistics involved in that, such as I, if I'm going to order the ice cream, I need to make sure that it's in stock. And that needs to be really updated based on the local inventory, not yeah. like some global inventory warehouse. And, um, you know, the driver needs to know what I ordered, where I live. Um, and there's just, there's probably a lot of backend systems and logistical stuff involved in the user side, the driver side, and just the inventory management side. Yeah. So if you were designing that system from scratch, what would it look like? A great question. Um, so I'm going to cheat and take some of these things you mentioned, right? <laughs> uh, like I, we have a user, um, we kind of have two different 
types of users, right? Let's say this is the the delivery and then kind of driver user, right? Mm -hmm. um, the two definitely big cases we needed or big things we need to solve for. You mentioned inventory management. Uh, I always ask people, please don't judge me on my spelling because <laughs> I can't spell very well. Um, inventory management. And then we need some type of like, I know they have a mobile app, but basically um, a mo like a mobile app uh, experience, right? Like if I'm thinking of like the big picture stuff, like this is kind of what it is, right? And if I'm, mm -hmm. we've got some type of mobile app, Inventory management, I'm thinking is more of like a middle layer backend. And these are like basically users that are probably going to be some part of the, the model, but that's what's kind of driving these things. Um, mm -hmm. Is there anything else that's critical? Um, I guess like logistics. Um, I don't know how much they, GoPuff does this, but like the same type of like matching algorithm stuff that Uber does, right? Of like, we need to have a queue that... We're mm -hmm. basically filling up the drivers that are um, next in the queue. We're going to get the ones that are, need to deliver things, right? Um, mm -hmm. That's something that would need to be, I don't know exactly where to add yeah. that, but I should say. At least some queue. sort of matching algorithm to match each order with a with a driver. Yeah, yeah. Uh, order slash driver. So that, that's going to be important. Um, I would say let's just we're going to pay google some money to pull in google maps or basically implement that mm -hmm. functionality I, i'm assuming you can use google maps on on mobile apps uh, we could pull in that functionality so we don't have to build a mapping system ourselves. yeah we would use some sort of third-party service i'm assuming um yeah so and i'm also guessing of... there would be some gps element there so that you yeah. know where your driver is and how soon they'll be at your door yeah Totally. So that's the, um, yeah, I guess that's like GPS slash driver. I don't even know if it's driver management, but like, like delivery um, <clears throat> updates, right? Like something um, that like the user can, basically this is useful for the user, right? This is useful for the, the driver. Um, those are the big things that I think of there's a ton of stuff that goes into each of these right like mobile mm -hmm. apps designs and, and that has to have its own thing. inventory management is a huge thing i'm just gonna <laughs> cross yeah. it over i mean that's also you you mentioned this too but it's individual inventory management for this individual warehouse versus the whatever the global um database might hold mm -hmm. um and the way i'm thinking of these is like this is kind of like our oh boy um like a front end here, right? Mm -hmm. Can I just copy these maybe? Um, oh, wow, okay, cool. Uh, and then this is a back end here where we've got um, this experience and they're kind of working together. And I, there you go, front end's going to our back end here. Mm -hmm. It's very, and then uh, we would have our actual, I, I guess this, I'm saying inventory management as a system. We'd also have some type of um, uh, actual database. Like if this is the thing handling the inventory management, right? The yeah. Database is what's you need some sort of, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. 
some sort of API layer, and then you have some sort of database layer that the API layer talks to. Is yeah. Yeah, so that's high level what I th think we like the, the pieces I think we would need as far as like how we would do that. Um, I guess that's the, the part where we can have a conversation around is like, okay, what are our constraints, right? Like, do mm -hmm. we have, I know GoPuff is a startup and kind of nimbly. Are we, do we have a ton of funding? Do we have, um, are we trying to get an MVP out so we can launch against some competitor, right? I guess, what does that look yeah. like? Yeah. Um let's say for the sake of this of of this um question we are yeah a mid-sized startup maybe we have three or four teams we have a team that works on the user or the end user application we have a team that works on the driver experience we have a platform team and yeah, let's just say that we have three teams for now. And those teams might want to have some sort of separation between their part of the application and the other team's part of the application so that they don't step on each other's toes and make mm -hmm. each other angry working on the same parts of the code base. So just as like a little thing to keep in mind. Um, yeah. Yeah, is that where having not done microservices work, is that where microservices would come into play? Where like maybe we can pull some of this out? Um, potentially. Um there's we could also use the same system, but just have a little bit of separation between like where's the driver API, where's the user API, or whatever we want to do. Um yeah. And I know that like GoPuff in real life has different levels of users. Like if you pay a monthly subscription fee, you can get discounts on products. Let's um, let's not include that functionality okay. for right now. So, so users are all users are all the same. They all have yeah. the same yeah. They all have the same sort of account. They all see the same price. Yeah. Let's see. Cool. Cool. Um, so Preach. yeah, I think we're looking for MVP, but something that's shippable. Yeah, yeah. MVP. MVP would actually want to see the market, right? Not MVP to, mm -hmm. <laughs> to race. Yeah, the yeah. Not MVP to just like to, um to a like just coding challenge that I'm gonna yeah. make it, I'm gonna make a Rails app in two days and call it a day. Yeah. Do we have a target number of users or, or number of users we have now? Um, let's pretend that we are in the very early stages and we are rolling it out in like two neighborhoods. Okay. So assuming that we have, you know, a certain percentage of people in those neighborhoods that maybe gives us like 5,000 users. Cool. 5,000 users. Off the bat. That's my off the cuff estimate of. How Great. many people live in North Seattle that, or how many people live in North Seattle who might want to use GoPuff? Yeah. Okay. Okay. That's helpful. So, so we're not necessarily thinking about, or not necessarily worried about scale at this point. It's something, right? But it's not mm -hmm. uh, hundreds of thousands. So that's helpful. No. Um, if we did, you know, I, I'd give you my hand wavy answer. We could have some type of load balancer, right? That might sit in mm -hmm. between these things if we needed to worry about that. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, let's assume for now that we don't really need to do like scaling for for scaling sake. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. Um, well, a couple different routes we could go. We could focus on maybe. So we're probably gonna have like I have these like next to the these user driver things, but these are kind of like different systems. Um, if I think of them as like platforms, I. Maybe this isn't the best way to think of it. We're almost like different repos, right? Like this is going to be a chunk of the code base. It's going to be a chunk of the, the code base that each of our teams might sit on. Um, like each of these mm -hmm. things. Um, these I think of as more like, these are going to be um, database models, right? That we might have to build. Um, mm -hmm. What area might be interesting? And then I guess on this side, we could have, um, you know, nice design or whatever you want to spend mm -hmm. time on of like, fleshing out any of these, the design piece or like the database stuff. Mm -hmm. Any area you're interested in focusing on? Um, Yeah, that's a good question. Let's focus a little bit on some of the like database and inventory managements because mm -hmm. yeah, I, I would assume that we would have designer that would have a nice design and have a good user experience. Yeah. But I'm just a little bit more curious about how we would design all the stuff under the hood. Yeah, cool. Then uh, for various models, we'd want a user, um, which would have real slow attributes on it, but we could list. Um, but I don't see anything that would be like all that different than what you would expect mm -hmm. in really any kind of user setting. We're going to have yeah. address. We're going to have, if they're all the same level, we don't really cover too too much they might be mm -hmm. associated with some type of um neighborhood right or, or yeah. warehouse. i'm i'm guessing a user might actually have more than one address if they've used mm. it in multiple places yeah so we might want to keep that in mind that a user might have more than one address and then we need a way of verifying that a new address that they've added is within the delivery radius mm. So that might be an interesting question. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, yeah, it, maybe some type of like warehouse, whatever, whatever we want to associate them with, with a specific one, right? Um, yeah. I'm guessing we probably need a database table or some sort of entry for a warehouse right. where its delivery radius is. Yeah. However, we would want to store that information. I have a tiny bit of experience using like GeoJSON and storing data points about locations, but I'm going to hand wave that for right now yeah. and say that there's going to be some way of of storing the location and the radius. Yeah. Uh, cool. So something like that. And then it's going to, uh, if I get my terminology right, and all of a sudden this is going to get get ugly but uh, a use a warehouse will have many users um so it's going to have some connection with this this user right um uh, it has many mm -hmm. users or, yeah or does it have many users or is it just that the address is associated gets associated with a specific warehouse. So a warehouse would have many addresses. Mm, that makes sense. That might be a slightly different data model since there might be many per user. Yeah. 
Yeah, I think that makes more sense than necessarily. We don't really care if the users associated with this warehouse. We care if the address is associated with this warehouse. Right? I think that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, address has many because a user could have multiple addresses too, right? So we want to. Yeah. Uh, okay, so rather than warehouse, we really need to have that. Uh, great. That's the big ones I see. And then driver, I feel like that's actually a more complex. Well, we have the same stuff, right? Like basically it, um, employment related stuff, right? Like we might keep yeah. some of that stuff here. I'll just hand away some of right? Yeah, like let's hand wave that for now and talk about the things that they would need in order to complete a delivery. Yeah. Um, so we're probably, they're going to be connected to, so unlike users, they probably will be connected to a warehouse, right? Because, um, they, it's kind of the reverse. They don't necessarily care about addresses. Mm -hmm. They care about they're in this warehouse, which then has many addresses they might deliver to. So, yeah. And that's an interesting question. I'm actually not sure whether GoPuff itself if you are a driver, if you if you might pick up things at multiple locations mm, or whether yeah. you are centered around one location. I don't know. Let's say for our MVP, <laughs> we've got <laughs> yeah. a, like has Let's, one, right? Like, yeah. You can just Let's go say to one. For our MVP, I work in this neighborhood and I, yes, I work in this warehouse. Yes. Okay. So then we want this one. Uh, drivers has many. Okay. Uh yeah, is there anything else? I we could probably have a I mean I'm sure this is much more complex, but maybe they, they don't deliver beef, right? Like I'm sure there's tons of things that mm -hmm. you can have specific, but let's put that on yeah. employment or maybe um restrictions like like Yeah. Are they um, under twenty one so they alcohol. can't deliver booze? Yeah. yeah. There might be alcohol restrictions. Yeah. Things like um, that. Who's saying vegan? Something okay. That that type of stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Um, okay. I think that makes sense. What else might we need in our database? We've got drivers, warehouse users, yeah. address. I guess we need addresses, right? Like, yeah. So the question, yeah, addresses. And then I have one more. I think we probably need some record of a product, not necessarily the stock, like whether that product is in the inventory. But what I'm guessing is that a service like GoPuff has a limited number of products that they stock. Mm. So for each product that they carry, we probably need an entry for that product that mm, is separate yeah. from whether it's in stock or how many or where they where they're located. Yeah, totally. That makes sense. Um, so if we have products, um, basically just do we carry this thing? And probably some information around that product, right? Like the mm -hmm. again, I'm talking this under like employment related like the normal stuff you would assume would be on this which might be named yeah. some type of id um all, all the product details how category. what size it is yeah um, 
weight, whatever. Price. Whatever we're doing, weight size. I'm guessing would be pretty important. Yeah, that type of stuff. Uh, cool. And then, um, so it kind of brings up some other stuff of like, if this is just a list of products, um, then we would probably have within the warehouse, um, we would have, um, but it would, as, uh, like, I don't know if we'd want to, we probably need a separate table to be like, inventory right like the inventory yeah. of these products um which might be related to our warehouse mm -hmm. like probably something like that. yeah and that's one where inventory like a product wouldn't necessarily need to change in real time right yeah right, but right. an inventory would need to change in real time yeah. it would need to know like at a moment's notice how many of these have been ordered, how many are in the warehouse. So um, if I were a back-end engineer, I would probably know more about how to handle this, but my front-end engineer brain is kind of hand-waving it and saying, oh yeah, we just need something that is able to be kept up to date really quickly. So we mm -hmm. would want to make sure we don't have any like caching or anything that's going to get in the way of that. Yeah. 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 Cool. I think that's probably the, from being honest, the limit of like my ability to do back like database. Yeah. Um, like modeling yeah. of like, okay, these things I know exist. There's probably much more complex relationships yeah. that, that these would have. And we could flesh this out, but I think that's yeah. like a, okay, we know they need these things and there might be some other stuff, but I think that might be a good place for these. Yeah, definitely. And honestly, that is mine too. I I know all the basics around like I'm gonna have a table and it's gonna have these fields and it's a yeah. one to many. And but where I struggle too is in going further than that and knowing, mm. okay, like what are the other than like this team is working on like let's say we had a team that is working on the inventory management. That might be a good argument for it being a microservice or mm. something that lives outside of the main application because they want to completely control it and not have to deploy it with another, with the monolith application mm. or have a little bit more autonomy. But those decisions are much more often driven by team needs than by a specific technical need. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of funny when you mentioned um, like this is a sometimes a difficult thing to interview about if you haven't done this a lot. Um, yeah. Episode five of this show, I think I, get, I got a system design interview when I was like three months into <laughs> engineering and I was like, I just don't know. <laughs> like I built like one yeah. thing. You know? <laughs> and it's, it's kind of fun now to be like, okay, at least I get this a little bit more. Um, uh -huh. But it is tough if you have like a lot of times it is manager leads, right, um, who might be making these decisions. And even then, you might not, depending on the role, right, if you're in consulting, you might not necessarily do that, right? Mm -hmm. Or if you just work at a large company where there's not a ton of greenfield stuff and you're mostly improving on other yeah. things. Right? You're working in your one little piece of the application. Um, or a lot of my experience when it has been greenfield, it's been like, okay, we're going to start with a Rails API. 
we're going to run Rails new and we're going to add tables X, Y, and Z. And mm -hmm. then we're going to set up the API and we're going to set up the front end and call it a day. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily give you an idea of how to run things at scale. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, do we want to tackle one of these? I haven't really done this before in a system design interview. It's kind of been like, we got a front end. Yeah. <laughs> we got this like other stuff, and then we got a database. Um, but like actually thinking what goes into this and and what mm -hmm. like how this might work might be interesting. Yeah. Um, I think that is really interesting, and yeah, we should talk a little bit more about that. From a front end perspective, something that I'm thinking is we would need a way of polling or subscribing to mm. this inventory management service. Because on the front end, if I am like browsing this product and I go to put it in my cart, I need to have like the most up-to-date information yeah. about whether that is available. Like maybe there were only two of them left and somebody just grabbed them. Like, I don't want to go through the ordering process and then have to speak to a customer service person or get a different product that's not the same thing. Or yeah. So having some sort of API or subscription that allow that allows me to get that information quickly would be really, really helpful. Yeah, I think that... That's key. Like this is API driven, right? We're doing, um, mm -hmm. if we're on this main page, I, it's been a while since I used GoPuff, but I'm assuming I'm scrolling down, right? And it's kind of buffers along the mm -hmm. way, right? And um, every time that's loading, it's, we're, we're making some type of get request to get whatever the most recent inventory mm -hmm. for these various locations are, right? Um, yeah. Um, that makes sense to me. Uh, I'm just going to put these terms here because I feel like that's what. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, people like to see. So it's some type of get request for the inventory. And then if a um, basically purchase made, we'll need to pass that information along, right? Then we need mm -hmm. some type of uh, post request, which probably involved in checkout. We could have a bunch of other stuff involved with that. But basically, that's also going to need to update the um to update inventory right mm -hmm. um, yeah and the other thing that i'm wondering about is do we think that in like let's say we have an api like get get this get the inventory or get the the availability for a specific product do we see that being a separate request from the like get all products or do we see that data mm. being aggregated together so that we get all the products and the inventory for that product? Mm. That's a good question. Uh, mm -hmm. hmm. Personally, I could see there being, yeah, I could see there being trade-offs to both, like having yeah. one request would be easier but if I had to constantly pull or update, there's a much higher chance that like products are just going to disappear or move yeah. around while I'm looking at it. Yeah. Well, if I'm thinking like, like, you know, the, at this stage, it might make sense to do um, the the full poll. We just get everything right. But like, I feel like mm -hmm. I've had this or been a part of this in the past where it's like, 
great. Oh, we're at the point where we don't have 5k users anymore. It's 50k, right? So it's like, yeah, now yeah. we need to actually make these requests. Um, we It's going to take four seconds for, or even two mm -hmm. seconds for this request to come back, right? And that's way yeah. too long when you're scrolling mm -hmm. on your phone, you're going to go to Instagram instead, right? So yeah. <laughs> um, like just having that would like I think right now having um, everything come is probably fine. So mm -hmm. we've, we've set up our database nicely and it's quick. Yeah. Um, probably as we scale and maybe relatively quickly, it's going to get to a point where like, okay, we need to have more frequent requests or returning some subset um, where it might, maybe we're optimizing for like just certain sets of products, right? Mm -hmm. um, yeah, that's probably a, I think that's, a thing where it would likely be like implement something and then it's going to change <laughs> as you scale. Like it's probably unlikely you get it right yeah. on the first try, right? Yeah, definitely. Um, if we wanted to talk about specific technologies, I know like I, I think having some sort of middle layer, like a GraphQL API or something that sits in between our our API layer and our front end might be a mm -hmm. good way to go. That way, if we do make changes to the way that we request it, if we have like, we request a list of products and then for each product, we request the availability that's kind of hidden from the front end implementation. Yeah. I like and that. I could see that being a good, a good approach for us. Not, um, I haven't really worked with, GraphQL, but um, I, oops, that makes sense of like being yeah. able to, okay, do this in a way where it's sustainable, <laughs> yeah. right? We don't yeah, have, have a little bit of abstraction so that you aren't yeah. tying all of your business logic around how you fetch this data to to your front end code. That's That's my front end engineer perspective, at least. Yeah, I think that makes sense. Uh, yeah. GraphQL. So, <laughs> just, just vaguely say GraphQL. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. We'll handle that problem. Yeah, uh, so I was wondering, um, if you had to choose specific, like a specific tech stack here, hmm. do you think you would have an opinion on that? Uh. Sure. For for me, it's <laughs> going to be a full stack JavaScript application because that's what I'm the most familiar with. Um, yeah. If I'm leading this team and and building this, and I have done work, it's definitely different, and the live nature of it would be pretty different. But I have done work at like scales greater than this in, um, it was basically vanilla JavaScript and Bootstrap and and uh node backend or next backend and it scaled fairly well um mm -hmm. the live nature of this inventory might make that more difficult um because definitely there were some some issues with the database as things continue to grow but I think, yeah you know if we have a team of smart engineers we could probably build that um mm -hmm. and it could work fine um, the main advantage for that apart from it's my preference um is just being able to have one language across the back end and the front end where we're not having to just syntax stuff. I feel like it's so like difficult. We're like, okay, great. We got a rails back and we got to go figure out, I know how to do this in JavaScript. Yeah. Now I got to remember how to do this in rails, right? It's sometimes a little frustrating, especially if you have separated teams where it's mostly working on the front end versus mostly working on the back and it's harder to maybe help out or, or, or pick up the context as easy. 
Um, yeah, yeah, definitely. And I feel like every time I've been asked that question, I will have a similar answer in terms of, well, I know JavaScript. If it were just me, that's what I would choose. Yeah. But it's all, but it's always an interesting question when, when they ask you about a specific stack, which this mm. has happened to me multiple times recently, but, um, but it had like in every actual job I've been in, the stack that we use is very much determined by what they're already using. Yeah. What, what do your engineers know? What, is there a specific reason to pivot away from a specific technology that you're using? Um, I know people have lots of opinions around like Go is faster for microservices or whatever, but mm -hmm. I don't know. It's it's always hard to know what the correct answer is there. Yeah, and I think there's lots of um, well, not having a ton of like experience being like I made the decision to to move away to this thing. I feel like in a much smaller scale, like I've made the decision between using regular fetch requests and Axios, and like what was the benefits mm -hmm. or, or the trade off of that and. A lot of times it is convenience and like how readable is this, right? Um, if you ask me for like, a, you know, the best answer possible, I'd say, well, we could probably make this the most efficient, most optimized we wrote in C++ or something, right? But oh, yeah. I can't tell you why it's going to be better in C++ other than, you know, some C++ engineer would probably tell me that, right? Yeah. And, and I know and like in general, people like Ruby is or Rails specifically is not very scalable. I can't yeah. tell you why. I just... yeah, yeah. I've heard that. I know that that's the case. Right. So I always even hesitant to say like, oh, I'd use Rails because um, people like the scalability issue. I'm also like, yeah, I also work at a company that has a Rails backend that serves millions and millions of customers, right? Like, mm -hmm. but Groupon moved away from it for, for some reason, right? I guess at a certain point, yeah. it doesn't make sense. Um, so yeah, that's yeah, a hard one. Um, I feel like I'm better at answering like, why might we have like use this very specific piece of technology versus another one? And even in that like node example, like the company I worked for, we moved away from Gulp at one point, which is doing a lot of like data streaming stuff for us. That's why we were moving to Next so we could kind of get away from that because it was like we were hitting bottlenecks of like we were trying to process these pages and do this data streaming with, I don't know. And you get past like a thousand data points, it was more and more difficult, right? Versus like, oh, we actually can connect to a real backend to do this instead of just trying to funnel it through all these weird, weird ways that we were doing it. Um, yeah. So a lot of times it's what works until you realize, oh, it's too slow. Now let's figure out something else, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think if I were an interviewer asking that question, I would have some things that would be red flags for like, if this person said, um, I would build the front end entirely in Clojure scripts because anything that's not functional programming is just terrible. You know, like yeah. I, I would want to know, are you thinking about the trade-offs for the team? Are you mm -hmm. thinking about the trade-offs for the company? What we're already invested in? What's easier to learn? Yeah. Um, because I do think that sometimes we get really caught up in like, this is what I like. Mm. This is what works for me. And therefore everyone else has to do what works for me because it's just better. And seeing that a person is able to talk about those trade-offs or make a business case for why we would use one thing over another, um, or they're able to be flexible. I think that might have some value. Yeah. I think it's probably a great question to ask with someone, what would you 
build this in, this first question would be, okay, what does the team know, right? If we're assuming we got three teams, they know something, right? Uh, yeah. I, know I have my preference, but if all the team prefers Go and I say JavaScript's better, I should probably use Go. <laughs> I probably should have yeah. used JavaScript. And that's not to say that in a real world context, there wouldn't be different reasons for having one service in one language and another in, in a different language. You know, maybe you're transitioning to mm. TypeScript and Node and you're no longer using Python or whatever your previous service was. But there has to be a business case or a an argument for it other than just this is cooler, this is shinier. Yeah. At least that's my opinion. Yeah, it makes sense. Uh, cool. Are there any other areas you want to touch on here or things we should dig into? Um, I think I just have some general questions. If you don't mind talking a little bit in general about this exercise. Sure. Yeah. Um, if you were the interviewer in this context, like what do you think you would be looking for? I know I touched a, a little bit on like what I would be looking for in a language choice, but yeah. in general, what would you be looking for and what sort of things would you be evaluating here? Yeah, I guess because I've seen this like format before, like basically kind of diagramming out a little bit of like, how does this flow work? I guess I'm looking for that to some extent, right? Like something to show me you under, basically to show me you've seen this before, right? Um, mm -hmm. Which sucks if you haven't, but to to, mm -hmm. to to like, have you seen this? And then I think this is the the big thing, right? Like I jumped right into this because it was like top of mind for me, but mm -hmm. asking the questions, like this could all drastically change if you say we have, like I said, if we have a hundred Google engineers that we can put on it tomorrow, right? It's a totally different question. Um, so I think doing this, these questions of like, let me get some constraints. Let me figure this stuff out. Um, it's probably the the main thing um, that we should figure out before someone jumps into it. And if they just jump into it, that to me might say, okay, they're coming from more of an engineering mindset than a manager or an architect mindset, which is fine, but it may not be what you're looking for if you're looking for someone to manage a team or to help make larger scale decisions, right? About the direction your company is going to go or your technology is going to go. That's probably the, two main things um yeah yeah it's interesting that you bring up that you might be looking for a different like you might be looking for a different mindset from a manager versus an engineer mm. um like what what does that do you mind elaborating a little bit more yeah if i'm curious I, about that yeah i think about um so when I when I've probably done the most interviewing of people in the past, it was when I was running a recruiting office. And what I often felt like how I was trying to level was like, what is your impact? Um, and to hire like a let's say a recruiter level one, right? Was like you can run your own desk, meaning you can um you can bring in candidates that we can send to jobs, right? Um, a recruiter level two can like bring in candidates that we can send to jobs, but also can generate new clients, right? Um, so mm -hmm. they not only impact their themselves, right? They also are helping the the um, recruiter ones, right? And then a recruiter three, or maybe when I get into a lead or a senior is like, they can do that, but they can also coach the other people on how to get better at these things, right? So the, mm -hmm. now they're not just making an impact on the team, they're making an impact probably on the entire office, right? Because hopefully they're doing good coaching, we're all kind of getting better. And then a manager is like, they can manage all of those people actually manage those reports and then also do a lot of that coaching have the other skills along the way so mm -hmm. i just type 
try to think of like, what is the impact? Like, are they just, if you're an SE one, your job is to take tickets, finish the ticket, right? Yeah. You probably don't have a lot of input on like, what are you, like, how are you actually implementing this or maybe some, but you're probably not deciding like, what is the, the, the business problem that we're solving here, right? That's already mm-hmm. been done. SE2, you start to get into a little bit more of like, okay, I'm looking at the business problem. Let's actually figure out what we need to build. Um, senior, like that's probably like, maybe you're part of that grooming process. Like you're actually figuring out what is the problem um, and then how do we translate that into a technical solution? Then I think lead management, it's that, but also managing people, making our architecture decisions that's going to impact more and more people. It's like long-winded way of saying like, how much impact do you have? And if someone jumps just into this, that probably means that that's what they've done before. Someone's told them Mm -hmm. you need to design this and they go, great. But they took for granted that it was, there was five years of getting to, um, this point or someone had a fundraise so we could afford to have three teams, right? And that was all part of this decision-making process. Yeah. And something that I, I touched on a little bit earlier, but um, something that I think a manager or somebody in a higher level, like a senior level person should be thinking about is not just the, okay, what is the ideal technical case here? We have, you know, five database tables and an API layer and a front end, uh, maybe a microservice over here. Um, not just the like, what is the best technical solution, but what is doable? What do your what are the needs of your teams specifically? Mm-hmm. Because so many of our architecture decisions are driven not just by a technical constraint of like, oh, we have 5,000 users, we need to make sure that we have fast response times for 5,000 users. There's also all the added constraints of where are your teams working? Hmm. How much autonomy do those teams have? Um, How often do, do these teams need to deploy without affecting code over here? Things like that. And Something that I've been trying to figure out in this interview, like as I've gone through some of these interviews has been how how valuable is that sort of Mm. line of thinking in a system design interview? Because like I said, in the real world, that's those are the things that I would primarily consider as a senior level or a manager, like not just what's technically best, but how do we do it? You know, there's a lot of things that technically would be a lot better, but when we only have four engineers on this team and we aren't able to hire another one and we're working with a very limited time and budget, where do we make those compromises? Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a great question. And I'm, I wish I had some insight, but that's the stuff I don't, that's the stuff I don't think about right now at all. (laughs) Yeah, no, that's, um, so I'm more just throwing it out there and, you know, yeah. if, in case somebody in the broader world has context on this, I would be very interested because it's it's hard to fit these sorts of interviews into that real world context, I think. Totally. And that, especially as a consultant, I've been in so many real world contexts where we're on a like shoestring budgets and a very short timeline and we only have three engineers and they're asking for a clone of Figma. Yeah, or like something yeah. really complex. And <laughs> it's just, it's not even a question of, is it technically possible? It's a question of, 
but can we do it with mm. this team size, with this company, with this technical setup that we already have that we're already invested in? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I love that. That's like part of the thinking though, for you, because I think the questions aren't asked often enough <laughs> and that's how managers or teams get in a bad spot where they go, great. Yeah, we can do this. And then, mm-hmm. Oh no, we can't do this. Right. So yes. I think that's a good part. And, and I think asking those questions in these types of interviews, um, or maybe in like, assuming this goes well, you have the conversation with the CTO, whoever you might be reporting to, I think mm-hmm. in those types of conversations it might even be more beneficial of saying, great. Like I know that this in an ideal situation, we might do X, Y, and Z, but what does it actually look like? Right. Cause those are the things I'm thinking about a lot. And I think I often think the higher up, like those are the people who are actually thinking about those things more often um, because they have to, right. The CTO mm-hmm. has to decide, can we actually do this thing we want to do? Is this really cool product idea or not? Right. And then yeah. it slowly gets filtered down. Right. So that's interesting. Yeah. The higher up you go, the more you have to think about all the real constraints. Yeah. Um, and I know that that's something that like junior engineers, you show up to work and it's, and you're working in Ruby and you're like, oh, I hate Ruby. We should work in JavaScript. And like yeah. that's the end of your thought process because you like JavaScript better and it would be better for you. As the manager, you have to say, okay, well, is that good for the business? And as the CTO, you have to say, well, um, do we have, you know, are we expanding our teams can we have a separate team that does JavaScript or like what's the meta meta use case for that? Yeah. And it's, it's really interesting how, yeah, the, your, the things that you're concerned about change over time. Yeah, totally. Um, so. Great. Um, Any questions for me you wanted to talk through? Um. I guess I'm just wondering, like your opinion on system design interviews at all? Yes or no? Um, we, I, they exist. We use them a lot. A lot of companies rely pretty extensively on them as a part of our interview process. The companies that I've worked for don't tend to rely on them because of just some of the challenges and some of the ways that it might select certain people mm. who are good at certain things, but exclude other people. And yeah. I'm curious if you have any thoughts on that. Yeah. I will say if someone has less than like three, four years of experience, you shouldn't give them a system design interview. Like that's my, mm-hmm. like probably the strongest opinion that I have about system design interviews, mostly because if they haven't actually made those decisions in the past, all they're really doing, if they're actually good at it, it's just knowing what you want to hear and then spitting that out. But they haven't actually done that. Like I haven't actually done this, right? But yeah. I've just been in a handful of system design interviews feel like I'm a little bit better than I used to be, right? Um, and I used to be really bad at it because I haven't actually done this work. So mm-hmm. I think that's reminding us like, are they useful? Uh, I do. I can recall at least on one occasion where um, a lead engineer, founding engineer at a company that I was at, sat down and and whiteboarded out, this is what our new architecture looks like, right? And basically did the system design. I mean, they had already thought through this and this is what we were going to implement. But it was incredibly helpful for me as someone who's just taken orders at that company, right? That, okay, this is how all these things connect that 
you're saying GraphQL, but I don't actually know what that does, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, here's where it actually sits, right? That makes sense. Oh, this is why we need an API now, right? We can't just keep calling the data. Oh, okay, great. Like that was helpful. So I do think like it is a skill that has some value, right? How often does one need to do that? I don't know. Should mm -hmm. it be brought up in an interview? Is it important enough to have like 45 minutes in this interview? Eh, I don't know. Um, maybe it depends on the company and how much like greenfield work they're doing or like like are they constantly thinking about this type of stuff i just know i've mm -hmm. been interviewed for se1 roles or se2 roles that had system design interviews where i always go okay <laughs> like i don't yeah. know why you're asking me how to design this thing because i'm not gonna do that here the senior engineer probably isn't even doing that there like the lead might not be doing that there it's like the architect is the only one who's actually doing this work so why are you asking mm -hmm. me i guess you want to hear something right so I, I i'll do my best but I think it's silly for certain levels, um, unless you're just looking for like, how much does this person know broadly about tech, but they haven't actually done this thing likely. Yeah. I would say I'm in a similar place where in theory, I see some value, but when I think about the day-to-day -day work that I do, at least, I never make these decisions. I'm almost always walking into a situation where it's already like it's uh, it already exists. We already have a system. We already have all the different layers and I'm just working on a little tiny piece of it. Or even if I'm starting in like a greenfield application, it's usually a pretty MVP mm. setup. Yeah. And it's so rare that I actually get to be the one making a decision about like okay do we have two microservices or do we have one monolith do we have where where are our database tables what things are on them what are our layers in between the database and the front end and it does feel a little bit like these questions are a little bit exclusionary First of all, to people who haven't had that experience, or if you're like me and you've worked in only a specific context, they could be a really great engineer working in that specific context mm. or that specific yeah. part of the API or yeah, that specific part of the stack. Um, and it, it almost feels like your experience depends more on what specific company have you worked for? What choices have they made? Yeah. And it does make it a little bit harder as a job seeker to get through these sorts of interviews when you've had a very specific experience that's been determined by where you've worked. Yeah. Yeah. I hear that. Yeah. I feel like it's such a tough problem. And, and knowing how bad interviews are in general, just interviews are mm -hmm. like, like, why do you interview the way that you do? Most people go, uh, you know, like they don't, don't necessarily mm -hmm. have a, like they went, went through reasoning. I'm like, this is how we developed the interview process. Like, oh, that's what yeah. our man, person who hired me. That's how they interviewed me. So we got to do the same thing, mm -hmm. right? Or like, oh, that's what someone told me to do. Okay. Um, so knowing that like a good chunk of the time, it's kind of just a toss together process in general. Probably means someone at some point said, oh, we should do a system design interview. And it goes, okay. Great. So now it's yeah. part of the process. No one really knows why. No one actually does that work. Or there's, you know, a very small set of people that actually do that work at the company. And it may or may not be the people that are being interviewed for it. Right. So mm -hmm. 
Yeah, I agree. It's one of the, I think a piece of the interview process that is often in there that probably doesn't need to be. And if mm-hmm. there is some skill set that someone's trying to ascertain from this, one, I would love to hear about it, um, especially if it's an earlier career people. Um, but two, I would be very interested in talking about, is there another way to get that same signal? <laughs> like without doing what we just did, can you figure out, can someone manage projects and lead teams? Probably, right? Yeah. Like, Yeah. Yeah, And I definitely think that there is a skill that we can get from this, which is, can you talk through your thought process? Mm -hmm. Can you think through things systematically? Can you, like, I actually think this might be a good case to like introduce the opportunity of researching. Like, can you research Mm -hmm. this and find out what the best approach might be? Like, where would you go? What would you, what sorts of questions would you ask? And so often these interviews, at least the system design ones are just like, can you name this off the top of your head? But I think that there are some scenarios where we could use something like this to get the idea of how would you approach this problem? Hmm. Something that I would be really curious about is give, like, if I were making an interview process from scratch, I might do something along the lines of, here's a specific scenario. We have team A, B, and C that are working on these parts of the application. Team B and C are getting into some conflict because they're working too closely together. We have some technical difficulties such as, you know, requests are being routed through, you know, are are sometimes going to the wrong place or we're getting a lot of errors coming from this service. Like, tell me how you would approach that specific scenario what technical options would you offer what how would that influence the 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 teams what you know maybe if you did propose a specific language you could say okay well here are the languages that we use Mm -hmm. this person has a really it has a really strong opinion about using a typescript or something else like yeah make it as real world as possible at that if if I were designing this interview, I think that's what I would do. Yeah, I like it. And I think it's like, like you said, real world is realistic. It's something you actually probably do in this job, mm-hmm. right? Like I, I think as, as much as you can try to tie things to, to real life and what the job actually is, not only makes it a better interview process, but it also like shows people what it's going to be like to work there, right? Like if I do a system design interview for an SE one role, I'm not going to do that as a company, right? So it's like, no, why? Like, it wasn't Nobody's really a asking my of, opinion. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's not a reflection of my skills. It's also not a reflection of what you're going to ask me to do with the company. So, what was the point, right? So, mm-hmm. yeah, it's interesting. Well, I like yeah. this. I, I haven't thought too, too deeply about system design interviews in the past, other than I didn't like them because I wasn't very good at them. <laughs> so now <laughs> I feel like I actually have some thinking to do on um, what does the purpose serve? And I'm, I'm, open to people saying, oh, no, we use them for this reason. And okay, great. Now, maybe I have some some justification for them. But uh, this is enlightening to me. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And unfortunately, if you are in the position of a candidate, we don't really have any say over what other companies use as their interview process. But as an interviewer, I perhaps have a little bit more say in how this happens. And who I'm including, who I'm excluding, what I'm looking for, how I'm setting this sort of question up. So in the future, if you're 
watching this and you hate system design interviews and you want something better, go find Becca and, and apply for wherever you're working. <laughs> <laughs> I'll keep you up to date. We'll see where that yeah. is. Yeah. Uh, great. Anything you want to plug or anything else you want to mention uh, before we go? Um, I am starting a Substack blog. It is called Performance Anxiety. Um, I will make sure I send that link to Taylor so he can include it in any show notes or any information that he sends out. But I am starting to write about these sorts of things because I no longer want to use Twitter and still want to have a way of sharing my thoughts. So it. if you want to hear about my extended thoughts on tech teams and um, interviews and all that kind of stuff, you should read my blog and subscribe. Cool. I'll put that in the show notes so folks can find it. Uh, thanks so much. This is super fun. Yeah. Thank you so much. Thank you for watching the technical interview portion of the professional technical interviewee. If you want to tackle this interview question, you can find it at github.com slash professional technical interviewee. New episodes are released on the first four Thursdays of each month. Find us on YouTube at youtube.com slash or on Apple podcast or Spotify. Make sure you subscribe so you don't miss out on new episodes. And remember, keep practicing.